It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 29th day of October 2014. A couple more days, uh, we'll be looking at Halloween. Look out, kids. Uh, we're here today with our co-hosts, Jay Masser and Berta Simmons, and uh, Stretch, our technician. Stretch, he's out of Arkansas there. Berta's out of New York. John, he's out of Kentucky, and I'm Gerald Cook. I'm sitting here in Missouri. So we hope you enjoy the broadcast. Uh, if you'd like to call in, our call-in number is 347-237-4819. Our call-in number, once again, is 347-237-4819. If you have a question or comment, please call in. How are you doing today, John? Buddy, I am doing wonderful today. It's a beautiful day. A little bit nippy outside, but I tell you, you don't have too many more days like this in the, this year. I think it was 35 degrees here this morning. Ooh. Wow. It wow. didn't quite get that chilly here, but the sun came out, and we've already been working hard this morning, so. You know, we, we base a lot of these shows that we do, you know, when we do the shows by ourselves without a certain guest speaker, we try to base them on activities and uh, some of the issues going on, on the website, hadit.com. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do some redundancy, but I think a little redundancy is, is a good thing. And, uh, Me too. So today, yeah, today, um, I've got the idea of, uh, maybe refresh ourselves a little bit on what a veteran needs to do after he receives a denial letter from the VA. And uh, the reason being is, uh, of course, you know, they do award some claims. Uh, you know, with it. I've seen a lot of success, success stories that had it in here lately, but, uh, you know, there's still, for every success, there's probably 10,000 denials. So I wanted to touch on that. And, uh Give people an idea of what to do, and I'm really happy Bird is with us today, so she can she can really help us out with this issue. And uh, so I just want to start well, off. You thank know. you. Go ahead, uh, John. Bird, thank you. you, know, you made a good. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Because you made a real nah, good point. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you yourself. Go ahead. Oh well, uh, you made a point about uh, you know the things that uh, we get at had it. Uh, and actually today uh, we got a, a fairly new member uh, with a situation that I asked him for more information on. He's a hundred percenter. He had to apply mm-hmm. for it, and you know it, it's uh, in a way sometimes I feel awkward bringing up something on the habit board, but then again, uh, something you just said made me you know realize that this stuff is important. The guy has a, an unusual lung disability. It was caused by exposure to spores in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine uh, this happens more often than not, 
and veterans may not even uh, think that there's a potential for service connection. And obviously, this is a new member, and he said he really had a fight for this claim, and he won it. And we, my point is that he and other members, if they, you know, could tell us how they did it, and even mm-hmm. discuss it on the air, it would be great. That's why I just posted our, you know, radio uh, number right in the claims research forum for hoping others will see that and call in. Yeah. Um, but uh, denials, we all have stories on denials, and there's plenty of reasons for denials. And I think it's probably the most important topic we could be talking about these days. It is. It is. Yeah. It is, because it's always, it's always a fight, you know. I mean, yeah. it always seems to me uh, that a lot of veterans file their claims, nothing's going to come easy. And no. the establishment, the establishment are, they're going to make it as hard as possible. Even though if a veteran's got a, uh, a dead-to-rights proof in the records claim, they're still going to find some way to sidetrack him. And, uh, oh, so that's just, uh, oh uh, VA's very creative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Creativity at his best right there now, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, boy. But, but touching on that veteran again with the lung issue, I, I, I read that topic, they uh, brought, I guess, yesterday. And is yeah. that the same one that said he had flattening of the diaphragms? I think it's the same one. Uh, I'm, was, I'm trying to find it myself. I forget he what. was exposed to some type of spores, and getting yeah. service connection for that, I, that was a. He really had to fight for it because that's something that uh, the VA would, you know, definitely deny, deny, deny until the cows came home. Yeah, uh, I'm going to find my post to him. I went to the BVA, uh, and I found uh, 138 claims that popped up with uh, the type of, uh, well, part of the, I, I'm trying to find my post. Cause, so, so I wonder I if it's very rare. That it's, it's rare, isn't it, what he had? I heard it was a very rare condition that he had. Yeah. And it wouldn't, yeah, so. Uh, he must I'll have had service. Ahead, he must yeah. have had service. In a, he must have had service somewhere where this stuff's pretty rampant, maybe like the Philippines or some place that's got a lot of places with, with spores and things yeah. like that. Could have been, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I asked him where he served in, uh, you know, was this an indoor, uh, inside building? in the military or in the outdoor environment. And I hope he comes back. I'm very interested in his uh, claim. Uh, the disease mm-hmm. is called Medina cystal fibrosis. Mm-hmm. Now, when I put that in at the BVA website, 138 claims popped up, and I didn't have time to read them this morning. But then again, no. some of them might have been just picked up the fibrosis. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And they gave them an analogous rating. And uh, I'm curious how he did it, because, you know, I'm a civilian, but I know the military is a very dangerous place, no matter what you did or where you served. And I would imagine that there might be other veterans out there exposed uh, to uh, sports. I mean, like you said, it's deadly. I'm allergic to black mold. I found some in my house. Out of a, mm. after a terrible rainstorm, and my roof had just been recoded, and the guy that recoded it didn't see any problem. But uh, believe me, I I got sick as a dog, and by the end of uh, the week, I had a roofer, <laughs> you know, giving me a new roof. That's all that problem because the stuff is terrible if you're allergic. To it, it is, you know, the, it's a uh, actually mold, especially black mold. Um, 
some states, in some cities, they'll you know if you have they find in your house, they'll make you move yeah. out of your house until it's fixed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's terrible, but it has to be done. I only saw a little bit of it on my, one of my ceilings, and every mm-hmm. time I walked under it, and I would clean it off with Clorox, and every time I would walk under it, I would start to get woozy, and I, I could see stars, you know, like you're going to faint. And I'm highly allergic, anyhow, to stuff like that. But uh, it was only a little bit, and it's something we don't see often in New York. But, you know, you get insulation in your roofing, and if that insulation, you know, like you are 13 or more, if it gets wet and it doesn't dry out well, it's right for, uh, well, I'm saying black mold. I think that's what it was, and so did my roofer. It was gone by the time he got here. You know, it's but, successful, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you got to react very quickly. And I had never experienced anything like that in my life. Um, you know, if, but then again, if, you're in a, if you're in a region that uh, gets a lot of snowfall, and I'm yeah. pretty sure you are living up there next to the oh, lakes, yeah. Uh, yeah. when it warms up, a lot of the snow is on top of your roof. And it kind of yeah. pools, you know. Sometimes, and sometimes if you've got vent openings and things like that in your roof, they'll seep through. Boy. You know, yeah. and uh, it, yeah. it causes problems. Uh, I tell you, another yeah. place to look is your windows. Your windows are, are can also cause it, especially on lower levels. And uh, you know, so yeah, here in a, like that. the warmer climates have a little worse problem because you know if it's real wet. Yeah. Uh, like you know, say if you're in the southern Florida when you get a lot of rain, things like that, you gotta be you gotta be careful because you can get mold pretty easy. Yeah. And, uh, I've seen. I've done a lot of house searches down in Florida, and I've seen several of them that had mold in them that they had repaired and put back on the market. And these are all next to lakes and things like that, so it's got to be a wet environment. But I'd like to see more about that guy's claim, you know. Maybe he'll respond more, and maybe we can get get to the meat and potatoes of it because, you know, know, I'm service-connected for lung issues myself, and... I don't think they'd have a specialized rating, in, in, you know, an exact rating for what his situation is. They probably went ahead and uh, gave him a rating on a restrictive or destructive pattern and then used his pulmonary function test results to, to give him his 100% or whatever they gave him. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that he gets 100% entirely for that. Uh, yeah. I think he mentioned the cardiac condition, too, but I'm not sure. Um uh, he just said, uh, rare disease of my lungs at min- and midsection. Uh, midsection, mm-hmm. I think he means the venous cavity. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. In the chest? Uh, uh, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Close enough. <laughs> but, yeah. But he said that his uh, pulmonary arteries were closing. And uh, at one point, they said uh, he needed a lung and heart transplant, but a surgical doctor put stents inside my lungs because my pulmonary yeah. arteries were closing, with some already closed. Uh, serious oh. business. And, uh, Was that the guy that said he wanted to go back to work? Uh, no, but I almost got him mixed up with that guy, too, John. Yeah, I did, too. Uh, I did, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, and um, I mentioned to the guy this morning, if it's the same one, that uh, he's got SMCS. And I had a fight over that award uh, for my husband, although he had already been dead 20 years, and they did award it. But SMCS for housebound means you are mm-hmm. confined to your dwelling, basically. And, you are? But then again, 
let's but he could work at little, home. Huh? Let's explain yeah. that. To, let's ex, let's explain that to the listeners real quick, Berta, so we can. Uh, uh, you, you everybody hears about SMCS. Uh, yeah. SMCS is a special monthly compensation award. Okay, and the way the regs state is you qualify for SMCS, the housebound rating, if you are service connected and you are your service connected disabilities prevent you from going, you know, traveling, getting out of the house, you're physically bound inside the house. And they send the they send a team out and people come out and they check out your living conditions and things like that. And they'll award that if it's everything works out okay. But there is a thing called statutory housebound. And it's uh, it's right. a separate paragraph in the regulations. If you have a total disability, um, either I think TDIU or 100% disability, and you get another disability or combination of disabilities equal to 60%, then they pay you the same amount as you would be if you were housebound. And that's still considered SMCS. But there's a regular, if you're housebound, you're housebound. But if you're SMCS because of the rating schedule percentage, then you're statutory housebound. Oh, I wondered that. that, that, Yes, that was superb, John. And now I'm wondering, is the veteran under the statutory award? Mm -hmm. I want to thank the statutory. I want to say he's probably under the statutory award because... uh, Yeah, I'm thinking that too because he had multiple disabilities, um, I think. But... um, well, That's real good. You know, I thought my husband got it under housebound, but then again, he could have gotten it under statutory too, it, mm-hmm. and it was for an 1151 disability. But I remember that I prepared it towards housebound and sent my uh, medical evidence geared to housebound because I felt that, um, I guess maybe I felt that it would be easier for them to determine that. But in the final analysis, uh, he added up to almost 300%. Anyhow, you know, two, 200% separate award. So he would have gotten it on statutory. Anyhow. Well, I want to urge, I want to urge, you know, I want to urge any veteran service tech for lung disease, especially something, you know, pretty severe. Um, long-lasting lung disease, okay, if you've had it for years, it has a direct effect on the right side of your heart. Mm. And the reason being is your heart has to pump blood through a diseased lung and it has to work harder. Your pulse will increase and your heart you, you'll, you'll feel your heart thumping like a sledgehammer hitting your chest, bump, bump real hard, you know. Wow. Your right ventricle gets enlarged and your pulmonary artery pressures increase. That is pulmonary hypertension when that happens. And anybody that's service-connected for a lung issue and they're having some heart issues, always have it checked. Always have it checked, because once that pulmonary hypertension comes into play, then that's a, that's a 100% disability by itself. Oh, is it? Wow. Yes. Wow. It is 100% so, by itself. Standalone by I've itself. Never, yeah. yeah, I've never looked at it that way, John. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I mean, it's the way it is. I mean, your your heart's having to pump yeah. through a diseased lung, okay? And it's you know it happens, it happens. Yeah. And uh, uh, I you know I know several folks. Matter of fact, we got a couple of guys on the show today that have it. Yeah, wow. I have it. It's yeah. been diagnosed even by the VA. 
and they can they can catch it on the echo. Do you know that, Berta? Um, yeah, I'm familiar with echo. See, but for my husband, he had the IHD on his echo, but he had hmm? no lung disease yeah, and no really? lung, uh, no pulmonary hypertension. Right. Uh, but, but I've got to learn, uh, study up a little bit more on pulmonary hypertension, uh, John, because um, as time goes by, we see more and more of that. And like you said, this would be from long-term lung disease. Yeah. Well, the like long-term is the effect, you know. I mean, it has to be around for a while because it takes time for that to happen, you know. And uh, there's two types of pulmonary hypertension, Bertie. You've got acquired... It's say if you develop a lung disease and, and your heart pumps into it and it comes on that way, onsets that way, that's called acquired. Uh, yeah. Some people are born with it. I don't know if it's their vessels in their lungs are too small or what, but they're born with pulmonary hypertension. And uh, so usually those people that are born with it, they don't live very long. Oh, gee, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the word yeah. essential uh VA for many years used the word essential hypertension, meaning mm-hmm. they didn't know what caused it. Uh, and of course, hypertension always has some cause. And it mm-hmm. just occurred to me that the VA, you know, was unwilling uh, years ago to look for the cause. And we know more about hypertension now, uh, John. You know. You know a uh, lot about it now. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I've never had it. I was misdiagnosed with it because I have white coat syndrome. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and <laughs> medicated, jeez, uh, I, I was medicated for it with a very low dose of something, and I got to the point where I told my doctor, uh, I weaned myself, I weaned myself off, off medicine. Yeah, I was not going to uh, take anything and be that sick again. I, I hate medicine. And then after a period of time, she realized, and I do my own reading, and I have other doctors, too, that my only high blood pressure reading was when I got to her office, <laughs> you know. But uh, she made a yeah. point to me last time I saw her, that is, the higher reading usually indicates anxiety. It's a lower reading is normal. Uh, and I forget, mm-hmm. I get them mixed up, the dystolic. The, 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 you got the systolic and the dis- diastolic. Yeah, yeah. Systolic is your top number, and diastolic is your bottom number. Yeah, yeah. And um, and um, it, 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 it's a good rule of thumb to, to, to you, know, you know understand. Understand. Are you guys? Can you guys tell on your? Yeah. Well, it's better uh-huh. now, Berta. Um, um, I got pulmonary hypertension. I got I got hypertension, but uh, the VA denied me because they said. I've spent my life being a drunken drug abuser in in prison. <laughs> we joke oh about that God. a lot. Can you, can you believe it? Uh, yeah, I can believe it. it. It's hard for me to believe. There's, I've never been to prison, and I've been clean and sober for over 40 years. Oh, my so, God. Uh, yeah, they'll say anything. Anything, yeah. you gotta, you yeah. got to combat it. Absolutely. All right, that leads us back into our denial situation, Berta. Yeah. This leads back into that. Um, you get denied from a claim. You look at it and you read the read the big letter in the, the mail. Letter in the mail. And and what happens? What, what do you do? I mean, do I mean you get mad? You get mad? 
you know, what do you do? Do you get denied? That's that's a big question. I mean, do you sit back and uh, uh, write them letters and things like that? Or you, you know, do you <coughs> use your head, folks? You get a denial letter. Carefully read the decision over. Read it over more than one time. Look at why you were denied. They've got a section called reasons and basis for your denial. Could be that they don't have enough evidence or they're not looking at something that they do have, which a uh, large percentage of the time they already have the evidence, they're just not looking at it. And the uh, best thing to do is uh, disagree with the denial. Explain to them why you disagree. Uh, get that back, you know, send it back as soon as you can. And uh, once you get that in, they'll send you another letter asking if you want reconsideration or if you want a DRO review or if you want to go to BVA. You know, they can reverse the denial on a reconsideration. Uh, they don't do it very often. Bert, how, many, how often do you see that? Um, reconsiderations. Uh, the other day we had a uh, situation at the board which was ripe for a reconsideration uh, because mm -hmm. uh, the veteran, I forget exactly how he went. I strongly suggested that he file for reconsideration at the regional office level. Uh, because apparently he had gotten evidence right after he got that denial or something like that. Um, and I told him how to do that. But uh, I've filed for reconsiderations a few times. Uh, sometimes I was very lucky. Uh, it took three weeks uh, under, um, uh, I called, well, I told them to choose themselves. I, I'm getting this mixed up or something. Uh, no, that's, a good, that's a good argument. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I, it's been working for me, John, and it has worked for two other veterans at our board. Uh, but filing for reconsideration is kind of tricky because they may act like they are working on that request. They did with my um, SMCQ claim. They sat on it, though, until I realized I had only one week left to file my NOD, so I got it in there in time. And, it, you know, I mean, uh, but... Uh, I keep telling that don't depend on what it seems to be. Even if they're working on a close to a decision, if that decision is not favorable and the NOD time frame, you know, is over, you've got to start all over again and file a, and probably maybe a new claim with the uh, new evidence you based reconsideration on. I couldn't don't you, see... Couldn't you file uh, them both at once, uh, Berta? Uh... Would you lose uh, anything doing that? Uh, wait, can I watch? <laughs> Jerry, can uh, you say that again? Oh, uh, a Q claim as well as an NOD at the same time? Um, Maybe wait a week uh, or yes. in between? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I have a Q claim uh, pending that I filed an NOD on. But I also filed for an extension to my NOD time frame because my point was, <laughs> I mean, I'm at the point, John, I'll give them a knot in their underwear. You know? hey, <laughs> I'll hey, do hey, anything Berta? to, <laughs> yeah. Berta, uh, Gerald, yeah. Doesn't Gerald doesn't understand SMCQ, but I think what he's trying to say is that uh, in my situation, I I'm I got some letters coming, buddy letters that attest to my situation. 
should I send those in with the NOD or should I send the NOD and wait for them to ask me for a reconsideration? Uh, should I send them in uh, together? Uh, uh, Mike, am I talking to Mike Sasser? Yes. Mike? Okay. Uh, Mike, uh, I believe uh, that the NOD is the first avenue of attack. This is a war. It's a war of the words. And I say... In the NRD, tell them why they're wrong, tell them why you disagree, and then refer them to your enclosures and list your enclosures on that page and send them copies of those buddy statements. Um, if they should I request the a consideration or just send the nod? Should I request um, consideration oh, or should I just send a nod? Uh, when did you get the decision? Uh, about five days ago, four days ago. Oh, um, I, I'd i send in the reconsideration and mark your calendar, and if it appears that it's not going to go anywhere, and I wouldn't give them too much time uh, to decide. Should, uh, my should, I, should, I, should I send a nod and then ask, request a reconsideration with the evidence that I send in? Um, yeah, but you mean okay. at the same time? Yeah, at the uh, same time. Yeah, why not? Why, why not? not? Why not? Yeah. Okay, you I know, think that's what Cheryl was trying to get at. Oh, okay. Uh, I've done it different ways, but uh, why not do it all at once in a situation like that? But okay, and in, in the I, meantime, Bert, Bert, in the meantime, explain explain to Cheryl SMCQ. Oh, okay. But one other point, um, Mike, the only problem with that is what... I deal with Buffalo. I was told that when they get a, an NOD, they put this colored uh, marker on it, and they don't even read it for a year. Or oh, man. Somehow, you know, a request, I told this about the other day, on his request for reconsideration, put that in big letters and caps on the letter that he's sending to the VA, and then put it attention to and use the initials that were in the denial at the upper right, oh. the upper side. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. Because it's a numeric with initials, and that is the last person who signed person your claim. Your... You so your claim in that, room, one, that way. Oh, yeah, they have a number in initials. That's your yeah. claim number. It's usually your claim number, and then at the end it's got a backslash that's got two sets of initials. One of them is the person that worked on your claim. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Because this way, if you do keep them separate, uh, there's a better chance for them to see, uh-oh, this is not a notice of disagreement. We can't sit on this for a year. For a year. This is a this reconsideration is a request. request. So, so uh, now I'm uh, now rethinking. The way I would do it personally, I would file the reconsideration request. I'd give them six or seven or eight months. And then if I think that they're farting around, I'll file the NOD. Uh, yeah, on my SMCQ. Huh? It seems to me. It seems to me like if you don't file them both, you might go past the deadline for your uh, nod, your NOD. Well, you got a year. Well, I. Well, that's why I tell people to mark their calendar on that deadline. Oh. Because I was getting all sorts of letters from the VA on my reconsideration re- request that indicated that they were working on it. Oh, yeah. And then I'd respond, and then they'd respond to me. What they were really doing is pissing away my NOD time. 
Yeah. I, when can, I realized, you know, and they don't do that in every case. We've had success that had it right away on reconsideration requests. But um, I would keep them separate. Uh, I would keep them both separate. Uh, they could go in the same envelope. They go in the same, same envelope, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I really, now that I'm thinking how I did it, I would keep them separate. Well, my. How I did it was uh, how I did it was a little bit different. I I, I went ahead and uh, I typed out the NOD, and uh, I put down in big bold letters, took up three lines. Uh, I disagree with, three. and then I listed one, two, three, four, whatever I disagreed with, and then I put down yeah. require requested action on the VA's, the part. VA's part. Okay, I put okay. down number put one. Down number one. Reconsider, reconsider so and so, so and so, so. Uh, uh, reconsider, reconsider that I thought needed to be reconsidered, and then uh, after that, I went ahead and signed it, dated it, and that got some pretty good action out of them. But you know, the NOD can be a reconsideration. You know, it should, you're just telling the VA that you disagree with their decision. That's what an mm-hmm. NOD does. It tells them you disagree <laughs> with them. It, 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 it starts it the starts appeal wheels going. You know, the, you know, the pill clock the pill starts clock. ticking, and they send you a yeah. they send you a statement of case and explaining everything. Yeah. Asking if you want a BVA hearing, or if you want a DRO review, or if you want to go, you know, once you get that done, you know, you can request you know, you a DRO or whatever you want to do. Want to do. But uh, you know, uh, that's a fine line. That's a fine there. line there. If you're dealing if with you're a dealing complex with issue, like, and the regional office has proven to you that they don't want to make a decision on it because I don't know if they're itchy to make the decision. It's better to go ahead and request to get it out of the regional office and get it to the BVA. There's a lot of claims that I see, see that with the denials and stuff that the regional office is not going to work on you can claim. tell it. Can tell. So what you do so then is you, you, you get it out of there. You get it to the BVA or the court as fast as you can. Yeah, right. that's what I'd like right. to do. Yeah, uh, they'll work with you on some cases, but if it's over their head, which a lot of this stuff is, you know, they're afraid to make a decision. They want somebody else to make it. Well, mine's and blatant. Who's best? My my denials yeah, are blatant uh, errors. Yeah, well, All you right. can request them to cue themselves, Stretch. You can ask them when you're in LD, please cue yourself on this issue and fix it. You can ask them to do that. Well, sure, why not? Very, not? Bert has been successful yeah. with that. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I can't wait to have the opportunity to use it again personally. I, I, I love yeah. that. Um, um, but to get but back to that question, Gerald uh, uh, asked about the SMCQ claim I had. Is that yeah. correct, Gerald? Uh, yeah. No, no. He, he was, that was, was the, uh, I was asking, with wouldn't it be a good idea to file a, a uh, Q claim and then turn around maybe in two or three weeks and send in a notice of disagreement? That way you're covered. Well, you have to ask the VA to Q themselves. You can't. A veteran cannot file a Q claim by himself within the first year of a denial. Is that you have to ask the VA to cue themselves. Well, yes, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, SMCQ, maybe Berg can explain SMCQ. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not relevant, Stretch. It's not relevant to the show. Well, 
it, uh, it is well, in a way. Uh, I've got. Uh, I have the whole story on how I won that claim and had it. Uh, my basically in 1998, I got my DNC award under 1151. I had a vet rep. Vet rep. Uh, uh, he said to me, "See, that's funny. They didn't pay him SNC." And I said, "Yeah, I noticed that. What do I do? Should I follow an NOD?" And he said, "Oh no." He said, "You oh, know, he- this is." 1151 issue, and they're handled differently. He said, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, I believe I believe that was 1998. And you know, and you, know you, you, get, you get smarter and smarter. You know? So in about 2004, I filed a Q claim, which was three clear and unmistakable errors in one decision, and it was that decision. Uh, their failure, they failed to consider my husband for SNC. That was a cue. Uh, based on his medical evidence and his ratings, he was 100% 100% 1151. That was the first cue. The second cue was they used the wrong diagnostic code and gave him the wrong rating in decision. And the third cue was they didn't pay me the accrued benefit that was due me. And um, in the final analysis, um, that award was higher than my H&R&G award. I I forget how much it was. And they still owe me about 16 months under another Q claim because they only paid him, as we discussed with Dr. Bash last week, they only paid six months, months. For his stroke, his stroke, they did not they pay did not the residual, residual, and he was disabled for almost two for years almost with it. With and uh, and uh, Dr. Bass uh, said Dr. he'd Bass. help me with that if I need his help. But I have to explain to Dr. Bash, this is a Q claim. When you file Q, your medical evidence has got to be established already. You can't say this is a Q claim and here's more medical evidence to prove it. Uh, does that make sense to, to yeah, question, Berta? Question, Berta? Question, Berta? Sure. After, after Rod had a stroke, stroke. What effect? What did effect did that stroke have on him? As far as body, like arms and legs and things like that. What happened? Um, when you have a stroke. No, Rod. What happened when after he had a stroke? Did, was he paralyzed? Oh, uh, yes, yes. He was diagnosed three weeks. Three weeks. I had to uh, threaten uh, the doctor to give him an MRI, uh, a CAT scan. She told me the CAT scan was broke. And I said, well, I'll call my congressman up and get it fixed. Well, the minute I said that, (laughs) it's a long story. I was pretty upset with his care by then. They asked me to sit in this room up at the local hospital, the FBA, she said, would you be willing to sit here? Please don't move for 10 minutes. Because she knew I wanted to go in the lobby and call my congressman and raise some help. Uh, uh, she came back in and told me they fixed the CAT scan. <laughs> Can you believe that? They, they fixed the CAT scan in 10 minutes. She said um, she had to go find a CAT. John, you know, that's funny. And when I think back about what happened to my husband in that period time frame, it was outrageous. 
And uh, a woman, a nurse, pulled me to the side and said, can you get him out of here before they kill him? And by then, they had done the CAT. Uh, it was read by the Syracuse VA. The doctor tried to tell me what it said, and I said, no, I want to hear the doctor myself. I went to the nurse's station, and the doctor read this scan to me. I have a neurology background from my Army husband, so I knew immediately what was up. Well, uh, and so I could tell the nurse, the nurse no, they're not going to kill him yet. <laughs> He's being sent to Syracuse, and she said, oh, he'll get better care. Well, in the meantime, the doctor was telling my husband, who's got PTSD, 100%, that he was going to be transferred to Syracuse for brain surgery. <laughs> and it was not a surgical thing at all. She did not even understand the cat. Um, but uh, I get very emotional over this, John. Now I forget what your question was. Oh, he could not move. Sorry I got you off track, John. Forgive me. Well, that's okay, huh? Trish. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to touch up because I know she, you, you're wanting to get to accrued benefits and stuff, and you, I guess you've got a queue in for that. Um, uh, yeah, it pays me accrued, the, yeah. The they reason being the, did it pay you enough? No, that that was why I had to file a queue claim on my knee award. If, if, if he was totally paralyzed at the time of his stroke, he should have deserved an R2 rating. Uh, I tried for that. They denied it. But uh, but then again, John, uh, well, maybe I tried for R1. But the thing is, they were going to keep him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. They told me he'd never walk again. And I want to tell you, that, that caused another great big battle on my part. And I needed my husband's help at that point, too, to force them to give him occupational therapy or physical therapy. And after he started his therapy, uh, I was running a farm. I hadn't been up to the hospital for a few days. Syracuse called me. He was the occupational therapist. And he told me my husband was doing extremely well. He said he's a a perfect candidate for this. And he said he's in excruciating pain. But he doesn't complain, and he's doing everything, and we're going to get him on his feet. Now, John, if I if if I had not bought that hospital and my husband helped a little bit too, we couldn't. How do you how does a disabled person paralyzed fight for better care? Uh, but if we hadn't done that, he would have been in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. His his whole body was atrophied. And then the deal was, if he if he could walk three steps without falling over, he could come home. And the thing is, I was not able to accommodate a wheelchair at all. I mean, we would have had to have our whole bathroom and bedroom changed, you know, alterations. Yeah. Uh, but he walked three steps to the ambulance. They brought him home by ambulance with a nurse. Then I parked close to the ambulance in Bath, New York, and he walked three steps to the car. <laughs> you know, we doped out the logistics. And uh, I got my husband home. Uh, we had an odd set of steps. I live higher than the road and had used railroad ties for years as our steps up a, up a mm-hmm. slope to my house. And we were worried about that. And uh, my neighbor, well, he's got a big four-end four uh, front-end loader. <laughs> he says, I'll come down and load him up in the front-end loader and bring him up the slope to your 
uh, front door. I said, okay, you know, you do what you got to do. But when my husband got out of the car, he said, I'm going to crawl to the house. And he did. He crawled up the slope. He crawled for two more weeks. He practiced walking in a narrow hallway where if he fell, the hall would catch him. And he literally taught himself how to walk almost normally again. Uh, that is a veteran that they wanted to leave in a wheelchair. This this is disgraceful. How many other veterans has this happened to, John, that are eligible, you know, for um, physical or occupational therapy, and they don't get it because the VA is too damn lazy to, you know, put in an order for that because it's easier for the VA to treat them in a wheelchair. And, and you know, if they can't go get back in their own house, so be it. You know, uh, it is a, it's a disgrace. Uh, my story is disgraceful uh, from what I observed as the spouse of a veteran. And um, not to mention the suffering that my husband went through for no good reason. If they had treated him right in the first place, he would have never had that stroke. But um, but I'm getting up on a tangent here. Uh, I have a veteran friend. He's uh, being operated on today. I only hope he can live through the operation. Uh, the funny thing is, John, he has a very serious situation that the VA, I bet if he was a VA patient, they would have saved his life. Mm-hmm. Instead, he goes to some local medical clinic and doesn't ask a lot of questions. And in that respect, uh, the VA, you know, they save lives every day. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason for malpractice in the VA. There's a reason, and I've been very vocal about it to anybody who will listen in Washington. And if they don't listen to me, at some point I'm just going to say, well, the hell with it. Uh, uh, my concern is on claims and getting our veterans their proper service connection. But... My greater fear these days is what kind of medical care are they getting? Right. And there's a reason for the malpractice. Uh, VA doctors, they don't need malpractice insurance. They're umbrellaed under the government um, yep. you know, medical care uh, stuff. And, um, well, and I've already rattled. Uh, and Dr. Bash knows exactly what I'm talking about and how the VA has hidden malpractice statistics and that that is the reason why um, vets are continuing to die. Well, now, the only way that you can actually take retribution against the VA if they malpractice on your veteran is through the tort process. And we've discussed this with several attorneys, you know, over the past year with some shows. Yeah. And the biggest issue with that is. You got say you got Doctor Billy Bob out here at some VA hospital, and they call him Abdul the Butcher, and he's cutting off the wrong leg and doing things like that. You yeah. know, you file your tort claim, and you win your tort claim. They yeah. send you a check. You know, you get your money minus your lawyer fees or whatever. Unless the EAJA pays it, and you get your, you know, and you win your claim. The money that is paid to win that claim comes out of a general fund somewhere set up to pay tort claims. 
And right. the VA, it doesn't even come out of their budget. They're, they're, there's no room for improvement. There's no, they don't see that. You know, they don't, you know, they, oh, God, we just lost $10 million, you know. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Yeah. That doctor needs to be fired, you know, do something. That didn't happen. No. Nope. There's no reason to improve there. there there's no, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, there's, there, there, there's, there's no, no ramification. There's no accountability, no ramifications. That doctor keeps on chopping and veterans keep on dropping, see. <laughs> and it's the same with, and 1151 claims are worse. Now, yep. under FTCA, there is a mandated agreement that these doctors have to be reported. Uh, but I won't get into that, but I've already told the FBI and, and, and the Secretary and everybody else and Congress. Uh, and and I'm be, I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall. They're not getting it. 1151 claims. Uh, now, like you said, the tort fund, that comes right out of the Treasury Department. That's right. 1151 claims. Uh, my DIC claims. See, my, my husband never saw his awards in his lifetime. My right. original DIC was under 1151. That comes out of the regular DIC fund. It should. Uh, uh, huh? It should. But it's not it, regular it compensation. It's a, it's malpractice compensation. And there's no division at the VA on who gets paid 1151 money. Well, my friend uh, in Avoca, I got him 100% SNC because they almost killed him. He gets yep. an 1151 check every month for the rest of his life. But on the books, that that's not malpractice. They're paying him just, it's called as if service connected. They're paying him mm-hmm. out of the service-connected compensation fund. Mm-hmm. The secret is that he and many, many, many other vets are getting service-connected compensation because the VA buggered them. And we're explaining it in detail. I've got plenty of information on it already. And the VA already knows about all this stuff anyhow because they are the ones that have manipulated the statistics. In the first place, it's cooking a you know what I mean? a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, say that comes over my house, uh, and we start talking. That tells me, oh, I get a hundred percent service connection. And I say, oh, you, you know, Jay, uh, you know, what's wrong? Oh, they uh, uh, almost uh, ripped out my spleen, and they buggered this, and they did that, and they overdosed my medication. And then I would say, oh, you get eleven fifty one. Hundred percent, he said. Yeah, and then if he says to me, "Does my wife get anything when I die?" I said, "Not under eleven fifty one DIC, she won't. She'll get DIC, yeah. but she won't get Champa. She won't get Chapter thirty five. Uh, she may or may not get a uh, home loan guarantee. She's not going to get a tax break." Oh, I see it now, Berta. Yeah, it, so yeah. Under eleven fifty one, that's right. You don't get the you don't get the ancillaries, right? Right, and one day, oh, John, uh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. We need to fix that. We need to fix so, that. Yeah, um, that's why my claims—I could not find a single claim like it. Even NVLSP never heard of it. What I did, I trumped my 1151 by proving direct service connection, and I proved Ooh. it under two separate bases: AOIHD and AO diabetes that were malpracticed on. But I had to be careful even when I wrote that claim. Um, and I've never seen another claim like it. And 
for my investment in my medical opinions, that was about four thousand, five thousand dollars. I ended mm-hmm. up with over a hundred thousand dollars in cash plus additional ancillary benefits, that, mm-hmm. and they still owe me money. And, but right. the bad part is, money will not bring my husband back into this house. No. Yeah, I cannot make a wonderful meal for him anymore. Uh, I, you know, he was my baby cupcake. I don't have a baby cupcake anymore. <laughs> I mean, he was a large cupcake. <laughs> you know, he was a big. <laughs> he was a three hundred pounder when he died. Uh, he never saw his stepdaughter graduate from uh, Air Force basic training and have seven years military service. He never saw that. Uh, you know, he never uh, saw the fact that I can use all the uh, power tools that I inherited from him because he taught me how to use them. I mean, money in no way compensates for the fact that the VA could have given him better care in the first place, and he would have chopped down trees the other day instead of me with, you know, using that chainsaw. You know what I mean? You're trying. Um, I'm sorry I'm getting so emotional, but I'll tell you, John, if the VA does not do something about this, Phoenix situation, and I'll give them a year, maybe two more years, Uh, I think I better find a better line of work because I'm too outraged over it. uh, I'm just outraged by what they're doing. It should be a major league outrage because any time they start making these lists up and start cooking the books and showing that a veteran, you know, that they're getting their appointments and stuff, and in reality they're not. And some of these veterans are waiting in a long period of time. Maybe they're, and some of them are dying from some of these issues they have. Uh, that's very, very serious. And uh, all this sweeping stuff under the rug and all these internal investigations that they're doing, uh, the manipulation of the Inspector General's report. Yeah. Because somebody but interfered you know with the report. But he's right. Uh, Griffin's right when he says that the VA knew this a long time ago. He's right. I, I remember in 2005 uh, when these reports came out. The Inspector General, uh, his office, he's got, I don't know how many people work for him. Uh, they are investigators, but they cannot change VA policy. No, and can't. their reports <clears throat> recommend you better do this and you better do that and that and that and that. And if these yes. individual medical centers don't do what they recommend, uh, they have There's no power no, to uh, force them to. There's no consequences. Uh, none. And that's the problem right there. Mm-hmm. And then people the only, like the secretary. The only, entity with, the only entity within our entire hospital system, including the Department of Veteran Affairs hospitals, that can actually do something to a hospital or to a department in a hospital is the Joint Committee of Health Organization, JCO. That's the only group that can. They can actually go in and see something going on, and they can actually put a padlock on the door, and nobody can touch them. Did you know that, Berna? Well, yeah, but uh, JCO, I invited them to my husband's funeral because they were... were, (laughs) I did. They were investigating the vast VA, uh, at the time of his uh, military funeral, the, the same uh, few days that that occurred in, 
but they were only investigating. This was a normal investigation. Yeah, it was uh, a, I haven't seen Jayco. Yeah, and I haven't seen Jayco called in on Phoenix at all. Yep. Well, I don't understand I'm, why not. Uh, I don't know. Probably political Ger- pressure. Gerald's, Gerald's got a remedy. He says, uh, file a grievance with the union. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think I'd be union members. A union within the government is like peeling an onion. Yeah. <laughs> you peel an onion, what yeah. happens? You cry. <laughs> it, it's, it's a terrible okay. system. But on the other yeah. hand, John, uh, the, the VA, it, it, I think, is very capable of excellent medical care uh, for most veterans. But then again, I thought my husband was getting excellent medical care mm. when we moved to New York and he started working at the VA. Mm. I, I thought the care, I thought it was good, and they were buggering him up from the get-go. What did he do for the VA? Uh, oh, he worked in dietetics. Um, okay. He had applied for a fireman's job full time over there. He he went to uh, the Naval uh, Fire College in New Jersey. Uh-huh. Uh, he was well qualified. He got an OPM thing in the mail. You're qualified for this job, right? And then they hired a relative of two people that were already related who worked in the fire department. And yes, never we raised hell. And oh, that's why. Yes, I went right to the director and I said, I'm going to the Corning leader and tell this story. And he said, oh, no, no. <laughs> well, what he did, he put Rod into a part-time job in dietetics temporarily until another job in, um, well, he could have been an engineer. He was a PHVAC operator. He, mm-hmm. His background was nuclear power, and he was also a fireman. So right. there were plenty of jobs there that, you know, he, he was qualified for. But uh, but that's where he ended up part-time in dietetics. And then under bug rehab, he went to Corning College to learn computers because he could see that the people that were getting the good jobs at the VA at that time were computer literate. And so, came to somebody in the department already, so. Huh? <laughs> and came to somebody in the department already. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh the yeah, problem. yeah. That's yeah, the problem. Well, was, you, you, it's called the buddy system, Bert, and you, you just hit it on the head. Yeah, it, it was a lot of nepotism that went on here uh, years ago uh, at the local VA because that's the best bang, paying job around, mm-hmm. our local VA. And uh, But then again, I, I could write about them a lot, but I can also say a lot of wonderful things about them, John. Uh, I, could, yep. I could do five hours of a show on how good that facility is. They've become <clears> extremely good. They just got a wonderful uh, IG report. Uh, this is a rural community. We had a member at had it who got a CMP exam there the other day and complimented the treatment that he got from everyone. Yep. Uh, it's a friendly, it's very user-friendly, uh, It's and all the doctors that killed my husband are gone. But where they went, who knows? They went to other VAs. See, that's what the VA does. They'll move around people that are caught malpracticing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the problem is, you know, the in, in the in the scope of things and under under the eyes of the public and other folks that are looking at the situation, you know, I mean, you can pat them on the back and things like that, and that's all good and nice. And 
people will remember that for a day or two. Yeah. If you start putting them in the yeah. news about delaying patients and patients passing away and all the stuff that's been going on, they're going to remember that more, and it kind of oh. balances out the scale. Yeah, it, 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 you're right, and it's a shame. And what gets me is what do foreign countries think of us? They read the news about RBA and Phoenix and everything, and what do they think about how the way we treat our veterans? It is, that's why, to me, who more than disabled veterans should get proper care? I tell you what, them you Aussies, know? they teach our veterans good. Yeah. Oh, is it right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Canada has a good uh, setup, I think, for their vet. Um, well, Canada, everybody's got free health care in Canada. Well, you know, you pay, but you pay a lot of taxes for it. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, geez. Yeah, they're. I, uh, I I did some work up there with uh, when I was when I was in the economy working in the automotive business, and I'd go up to the automotive plants up there and you know fix do some repairs and some customer service, and then I'd interview yeah. the guys and kind of talk to them and. You know they're paying a very very large percentage of their check in taxes to cover that health care cost. Huh. A very Boy. large percentage. So. Huh. You know if you work and you bring home less than half of what you make, oh. that hurts. Oh. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm surprised that remember the guy that did the documentary Sicko. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a well-known filmmaker. I can't think of his name. Uh, and he did one, he went to Cuba, oh, poor sicko, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He went into their health care system. I'm surprised he hasn't attacked the VA health care system <laughs> and made a movie about the, the real thing. You know, uh, I'm thinking movie, something like that needs to be done. Well, you know, people that saw the movie, um, he's a New Yorker. Uh, uh, his first name is Ron, uh, born, uh, born on the 4th of July. When he was in that Bronx hospital, with that trouble, with that machine he had for his kidneys, and then there were rats running around in the ward, that was not poetic license. That was the truth. I mean, we've we've had that first Agent Orange movie they ever did. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, When Agent Orange started out, uh, I forget what it was called. I've talked about it on Had It. These are not all fiction. There's a lot of truth to these movies. And uh, people, when they see something visually, they can understand it more than if they hear talking heads talk about it on TV. If they see something, they can believe it. And, yes. uh But um, you know what? We got off our subject. Uh, denial. That's okay. John, That's okay. You know, the main reason for denial, so that I see it had it, is because the veteran or the widow has not acquired the exact evidence the VA wants. Right. That's the main reason. And they may have to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time digging for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they might have to get an IMO and spend some money. But uh, that's the main reason I see Uh the VA gives them a VCAA letter, and that letter locks the VA into what they ask for. So they yes. can't really be, you know. And <clears> if they <throat> can take that letter and go through it. They, and, John, like you said earlier, and you're so right, they have to read that denial over and over again. You know, we all get ticked off with denials. I've gotten plenty. And then I put it away. I'm so mad I can't think anyhow. 
And then I would pull it out a week later and read it again and read it again. And then you start developing your war plan. You know, you you know how, what you've got to do. And, right. um, uh, you know. My last denial letter I got from the VA. Yeah. I had actually anticipated the letter because I kind of figured, you know, it was an issue with service department records, oh. which it was. I had the nod already written. I got the letter in the mail, and I read it a couple of times over. I printed off the nod, signed it, put it in the envelope, sent it back the same day. Did they finally get those records, John? Oh, yeah, they finally got it right. Well, they still owe me some money. They didn't They didn't use 3.156 like they were supposed to. So oh. I've been waiting for oh. a few years. I won't, let, so I won't let it back up a little bit and let them uh, get some uh, protection there because, you know, I don't want to be vengeance against because that, that's what happens to a lot of veterans. That, you know, they'll, they'll have a little bit of a – it's like recoil when you fire a gun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's a very powerful regulation, 3.156 power. There's a lot of power there. And that'll take you that, back to a good uh, retro date, right? I mean, even, that'll prove a cue on any, if if there's a service department record that if it's service department records even mentioned in winning your claim, right? And they couldn't find that record, even though they found it later on and they used it, and it was you know they should pay you back to your original date, no matter what. Even if even if you didn't even even if you didn't appeal or anything, because that that open that should that should preserve that date, which 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 it should do. Yeah, yeah. Because that's I a agree. key automatic. If yeah. they award a claim based on service department records, and they give you the wrong date, that is a cue, because yeah. you have your harm, which costs you money, and the cue is actually misapplication of that regulation in itself. Yep. That's a great regulation. It's a yep. Yeah. That's you one have of the old yeah. Yeah. Well, they all should be successes with that issue, you know. Yeah. Of course. But the biggest problem with the VA, especially when you're doing your claim, and uh, you know, because the regs are cut and dry. I mean, you know, the the regs don't state, you know, well, possible if maybe that. It's and or or. If you had this or this, then the rating is this. Okay. Yeah. But somehow somebody across the fence will sit there and look at that regulation. Then they'll look at the M21, and then they'll look at the medical record reports. And they're trying to use the medical record reports and the doctor's reports and the M21 to make an interpretation of that reg. How do we reduce that rating based on your records? They're not really. Yeah, and they're not. They're not supposed to be making medical decisions. They've got to base it on. Medical facts, but they don't always do that. Well, see, VA—they're not doctors. They don't have, you know, they're not licensed to practice medicine. That's right. Cool. And they're not attorneys either. They're not licensed to practice law. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's a good thing we all have a sense of humor, John. All of us on this show are hardcore claimants. You know, and you get to the point that if you don't have a sense of humor, you're going to get PTSD from the VA itself. You know? 
I like to keep my yard clean, Bert. I don't like beating around bushes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I just got big news. The VA is going to pay $125,000 to settle a lawsuit filed by the son of a Marine veteran uh, who died uh, after getting Legionnaire's disease. Uh, I've got a post this that I had it later. Out of Pennsylvania, um, is that where we got it at? Huh? Uh, 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 they Pennsylvania? settled uh, Pennsylvania. It might be. Uh, I, I just yeah. got the alert. I didn't open the thing. Uh, yeah, and then they just got heard chance uh, disease up here. Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. There, there it is. That that's not much money. One hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. He was being no. treated for lung cancer, and he gets Legionnaire's disease, and we died. And he died. What did What did they do? Give him something old, some old saline or something, or what? I I don't know. Um, you know, you know, Legionnaires in the water. Yeah, um, it's a whole. It says the VA has settled at least ten or more of a dozen claims. So, <clears throat> by people who yeah. got Legionnaires or died. During an outbreak of it at the Pittsburgh VA hospital from February 11 to 2011, uh, I don't understand this. If he got it, it doesn't say veterans; it says people. Yeah, because I'm gonna say people drank the same the same pool. It could have been a water fountain or anything to cause that. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, so it could, you know, they don't have to be veterans. It said, oh, it was a VA hospital. The hospital delayed testing this guy for days, even though VA personnel knew Legionnaires was spreading. <laughs> it was a hospital oh. in Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, That's they gave sad. $125. $25,000. That $25,000, yeah, that's nothing. That's peanuts. It's Boy, a bunch of it's nothing. They could have taken. They could have told the general counsel to shove it and just gone into federal court and got more money. Um, I think so. I mean, again, they should have went to. Yeah, but then again, but then again um, boy, but then again, money his, means nothing. Uh, I, I settled directly with. Yeah, I settled with him directly, uh, John. I was satisfied with my settlement. I wanted it over. I knew why my husband, when I got down with him, right. I knew why he died. And I felt that what happened to him, that story could help other vets. And I've helped uh, other vets get FTCA and 1151 uh, awards uh, and or their widows. But, um, but still, you know, the meaning to his death, I mean, it, it still bought, well, Phoenix gave me deja vu. I'll tell you, I, I've been in a bad frame of mind since Phoenix, um, and that's not over yet. Well, I uh, mean, Phoenix is just the, the start of it because, I mean, it's 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 pretty much widespread. It's systemic throughout the VA, right? I would say it's definitely systemic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they so, set it up that way. Well, the reason being is... Uh, <clears throat> these people wanted them bonus, <clears throat> the bonus money, and part yeah. of their rating criteria to get their bonus and get their evaluations was patient care times. So somebody yeah. developed a nice little system in order to cheat that system in order to get their bonus money. So they robbed Peter to pay Paul, and that bonus money yeah. came at the expense of the lives of some veterans. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think they should do away with all bonuses in a system like that and change the criteria for giving bonuses. Yeah. Well, I understand they put a hold on all bonuses for this year. I don't know if that's true or not. But now, I if you've got uh, an x-ray tech in there that does a good job and saves a couple of lives and things like that and does a really good job, you know, the, the direct yeah. care people, who, you know, not the administrators who do the scheduling snafus. Yeah. The people who are actually taking direct care of the patients, I believe they need a little extra. Boy, boy. The janitors cleaning the floors in the hospitals, they need a little extra, okay? They're low, they're, they're yeah. wage grade. They're really low on the wage grade scale. Uh, but the folks that have access to the scheduling and manipulate the system, the big GS10s and 11s or 12s or whatever they are, and they're trying to, you know, because, see, their bonus is based on percentages. Their percentages, so if you get 10% and you're a GS12, you're going to get a big check. Yeah, yeah. So that's the issue. And nothing to do with I, patient I, care. Go ahead, Berta. Huh? Go ahead. Oh, I just got more news, too. I don't know if you guys remember the uh, dead veteran who was billed 59 cents after the funny interview. Uh, I, I posted it and had it, uh, I guess, about a month ago. Now they added $50 to her bill. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, the, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, per- yeah. I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of comical. They said they added $50 that apparently is legitimate, but was not somehow included on the 59-cent bill. This woman went to the newspaper and everything yeah. <laughs> on this. And, we could and the do thing a is, sh- he said. We could do a show every week, <laughs> every week on this yep. stuff, and it'd be a different topic every week. The news, we didn't start doing a VA in the news show. I think that'd be a good issue. What do you think, Cheryl? <laughs> Somebody give Gerald somebody give Gerald a nudge. He went asleep at switch there. <laughs> How are you doing time, Mike? I'm still huh? here. We've been out of time for about ten minutes. Oh. Are you, are you, okay. <laughs> are you carrying it over? Well, yeah, still recording. <laughs> it's still recording. Nice. Okay. Well, let's cut this thing off and end it there. Uh, we'll come back on here. We need to do a bachelor show later on in the week when we get together and we'll set a time when everybody's yeah. doing it. And we'll, we, we'll do this and discuss, uh, keep continuing this discussion because, you know, this is, even though it's kind of a laid back issue, uh, you got a couple of the top people here that had it that, uh, you know, that uh, really understand the system. And uh, this type of discussion is very healthy for the Had It membership. Well, I hope so, John, and I believe it is. And I don't ever really want to get anybody discouraged. They just have to realize that they might have to fight over their claim. You know? Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's what it takes. you got to be proactive. And I always say the best that rep we'll ever have is who we see in the mirror every morning. That's it's right. It's ultimately us, you know. And you, when you file your claim, folks, you're going to have about a year before a decision is made. So when you file that claim... Uh, what you need to do is take so much time every day, get on the computer and start studying, learn those regulations, learn what's wrong with you, and research it. And when that happens, you'll have a better understanding of what's, what, actually what's happening. And you can see, you can actually see the punches coming at you, and you know what to block and what to dodge. That's a fact. 
Yep. Get an education. Learn what's wrong yep. with you and learn, you know. You can do it no matter how old you are. You, you know, know. Everybody's still, everybody's, you still got a little brain power, power lift. Power lift. That's right. They can Google. They can do research. They can research. go to their unit website. websites. N-A-R-A. Uh, they, can, they can, you know, they can do it. They can do You're it. right, John. John. All right. All right. With that, Jerry, won't you take a moment, buddy? Take, buddy. Alright. We wanna thank everybody for tuning in and uh hopefully you got some beneficial information here out of this broadcast. Uh it don't get any better than this, let me tell you. Uh with Bert and John there, uh they got all the bases covered and and uh uh, we certainly want to thank you all for coming in. So this will be Gerald Cook uh, with the Had It podcast. And, and don't forget to have it. Uh, doggone it. Uh, uh, they do have a donation button. So uh, please uh, 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 jump on there and give it a little bit to help keep the website going. Uh, T-Bird's been doing it out of her pocket for so many years now, and she just flat broke, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, bless her heart. Uh, so everyone chip in a little bit and help out the Had It uh, website. We need to keep it going. So with that, we'll be signing off for today. You've been listening to the Hadit.com blog talk radio show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or blog talk radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com blog talk radio and the Ask Bachelor Show.